0: Please remain standing for our Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
1: Let us pray. We gather here this morning as we enter the place we call the tabernacle, solemnly with mourning and remembrance in our hearts. We invite your Holy Spirit, O God, our comforter and friend, our guide and source of power, to fall afresh upon us. We ask for your holy anointing to shower down like latter rain upon us, as we pause from our busy schedules in remembrance of an act we promise never to forget. This afternoon, as we posture ourselves to observe our fallen first responders, brothers and sisters, who 20 years ago to this day gave the ultimate sacrifice to securing our blessings of liberty, justice and posterity to ensure our continual freedom. O God of history, as we honor our first responders, We can't help but to remember when the towers fell and and the lives were lost. We remember the dust, the soot, and the smoke, the helplessness and the soul-shattering pain. We gather here somberly, remembering with sadness that sense of helplessness and despair. We remember the anxiousness and the hopelessness that overcame us like a mighty rushing flood as we watched our TVs in horror for hours and hours, in sheer horror, trying to understand what happened, who did this to us, and why. We remember those who, with no regard for life and limb, hurried to the scene of the devastation to help some leading the wounded down countless numbers of stairs. Oh God, some who, in doing so, they themselves succumbed to the stench of hot jet fuel industrial ash prevalent in the moment fell on like the battlefield on the def- devastation and mayhem. Oh father we remember we can't help but to remember and vow never to forget. Father in deep appreciation for the armed forces of the United States of America we humbly stand before you pleading for your your divine mercy and protection over those who defend the republic for which they stand. Protect our troops with your invisible armor and provide the necessary provisions for their families. Father, we thank you for empowering our first responders and military with the spirit, courage, and strength that is necessary to run and prevail against all enemies, foreign and domestic. We petition you to hurriedly dispatch your ministering and warring angels provide a hedge of protection over our first responders and military day and night. So Holy Father, before you Jehovah Nisi, God who fights our battles. We stand here 20 years later to renew our solemn vow, never to forget what happened to us. We grieve with our allies today as our allies grieved with us 20 years ago. We grieve with the innocent who who have lost loved ones 20 years ago. Jehovah! God of comfort and peace, use us to provide comfort to those who live with loss. You promise that, that you will provide peace for those whose minds are stayed on you. So therefore, as we continue to remember with pain and anguish, keep us ever mindful to keep our, our minds stayed on you. So, heavenly Father, we are resolute in our despair and are displayed before your holy throne in this most humble and solemn way to honor the lives that were lost on 9-11. Give thanks for the first responders who served and and saved, rendered aid and assistance on 9-11 and many days afterwards. We now ask that your Holy Spirit of comfort and love move in us and abide in us as we ever endeavor to remember that which should not and will not be forgotten. It is in the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and we all said, Amen. Amen. And amen.
0: My noise has seen the glory of the coming you.
2: the representatives that I told you about that uh, we're going to show honor to, but they realize, and I think they would want me to say that they're just the representatives, amen? Uh, There are many others of you that are um, in our uh, military service that either are in the police force now or have been um, or have been in community service or search and rescue. So if you've been in the military or any of those others, would you stand now? And as we honor them, we're honoring you also. We just couldn't get probably everybody up front here. All right. Um, and now if I can get uh, Elder Bentley and uh, Elder Nephew to come up, they're gonna come up also. If I, Can I get you guys all just slide down a little bit, make room uh, next to Senator Bison for these two gentlemen? That would be wonderful, okay. Thank you. And so we're going to ask uh, Senator Bison first. Oh, and my dear wife, please come up. Thank you. I saw her waving at me. I'm like, yes, yes. So I don't forget, don't forget the matriarch here. Get her up here. <laughs> All right. So, Senator Bison, I know you wanted to, um, to say a few words,
3: please. Thank you. Thank you so much. Pastor, it is great to be here with you and, and your congregation today. Uh, I've had the pl- pleasure of serving as uh, the state senator for Calhoun, Berry, and Ionia counties since 2019. Prior to that, I was uh, the representative for most of Calhoun County. Uh, I appreciate all those who serve in any capacity here within our community, in, in your private lives. I know many of you take care of uh, others and uh, as well as uh, those who have been in the military, those who have served our country in any manner. Uh, I would like to take a moment to honor you for your leadership with Pastor Rob, leading the way here at your assembly, and I congratulate you on the work you've been doing with our youth, getting them out into the community, volunteering, and serving the community. That is outstanding. Amen. One thing I wanted to mention was that the Michigan Senate has not allowed guests on the Senate floor since the beginning of 2020 because of the COVID virus. And so in June of this year, we asked your pastor, Pastor Rob, and he graciously provided me with a written invocation that I was able to read at the beginning of session. It was such a blessing to know that Pastor Rob put down what he was doing and put together a prayer that I was able to read over our legislature and specifically over the senators praying for those senators during this invocation so pastor thank you very much appreciate that sir before we pray for our military police and first responders i also wanted to take a moment to remember all of those who sacrificed their lives to us live comfortably here in michigan the united states we honor them. We remember them today, a day in history that we will never forget. I'm sure that each of you know where you were on that gracious day. Unfortunately, all of our youth probably were not even born then. uh, We thank God for being able to lean on him, on God, for our time of sorrow back in 2001 and again today through this virus and through this COVID infection. I wanna thank you all for having me here today and hope to meet some of you personally later in the day. Again, it's great to be with you. Thank you.
2: Thanks so much, Senator. Next, Joel Nephew wants to share a few words on behalf of the Michigan Conference.
4: I've received over 40 emails from the staff members of the Michigan Conference of Seventh-day Adventist headquarters expressing their appreciation and blessings to each of you for the service that you give to humanity. Thank you and those who serve, have served, and have fallen at your side for faithfully executing your duties, both the mundane and the life-threatening in a self-denying way day after day. Thank you for helping us to be able to sleep better at night and to live better each day. May our God and Father commission His angels to be at your side each day and each night to protect you. May He grant the influence of the Holy Spirit to guide you with heavenly wisdom and discernment in every situation. And may the peace, joy, and love of His Son, our precious Savior, Jesus Christ, be with you continually. Thank you for your self-sacrificing service.
2: Amen. Thanks, Joel, so much. Well, I got to share a little bit from the scriptures and uh, know many of you from different uh, venues. But indeed, once again, thank you so much for your service. Um, it doesn't go without appreciation. And that's what uh, this day is all about. So thank you so much. Uh, God's blessings be on you. We pray for you. Uh, police, fire, we're praying for you every day in our uh, staff meetings. And then, of course, when we hear those sirens, a lot of times we'll just stop right then. Let's pray for whatever's going on. And um, God sees all that you're going through and uh, all the sacrifices made. And um, just above all, I think we want to be faithful to our, to our supreme commander. Amen? And, uh, and see all of you in heaven. That's, that's the most glorious thing. Look forward to that. Uh, my wife may say a few words. Would you want to say a few words? Or she was just going to shake hands, but
3: I just wanna thank you for all that you have done for us, all that you have sacrificed, especially the people who have been there on 9-11 at Twin Towers. But may the Lord bless you in everyday work, especially the police, fire, first responders. Um, Thank you so much for saving lives. And thank you for having God on your side because he is the one saves those that need to be saved.
2: Amen. Thank you, honey, so much. So at this time, uh, if you guys remain here, remain standing. Uh, Now uh, Daryl Bentley is going to, um, and he's former military too, by the way, Um, he's going to have a prayer, sort of a prayer of dedication for all of you. And so he'll do that this time. Thank you.
5: Thank you, Pastor Rob. In the years following the 9-11 attacks, Various theories abounded as to what actually happened that day. But amid the speculation, conspiracy theories, and all the other silly ideas, there is one thing that is unquestionable, and that is the dedication and bravery of the men and women who rushed toward danger when most were fleeing for their lives. The actions displayed that day are part of a proud tradition of service that was given by countless thousands before 9-11 and by thousands more since that fateful day. Among those who serve, as you have already heard delineated so far, who serve in the face of danger, our police, our fire and emergency medical teams on the home front and our military forces who protect our borders both at home and abroad. Of course, we would also be amiss to leave out our various federal agencies who also step up to the plate every day and honor their oaths to protect and defend the way of life that we hold so dear. It's for these reasons that it is such a profound honor to be able to offer a prayer of dedication for those here as representatives, for all who place their lives on the line each day for us. Let us pray together. Dearest Heavenly Father, we both bow heart and head before the throne of grace just now to recognize your sovereignty, to recognize your mighty hand of mercy, strength, and salvation. Father, we recognize that we live in an evil, sin-sick world, a world that is bent on destruction of that which is good and pure. Yet, we have not been forsaken nor forgotten, Jesus reminded us that you are mindful when the sparrow falls, and we are so much more valuable than sparrows. In fact, we are so valuable in your eyes, dear God, that Jesus came to die for us all. Lord, you have told us in your word that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Lord, I believe you have instilled a similar desire to save lives in the hearts of your children. That love for life is held dearly by those whose lives have been given in dedicated service to others. So Lord, today we pause to lift up our police, to lift up those who serve in the fire departments, those emergency medical teams who bravely serve day in and day out, whether they get recognition or disdain. They still don the uniform and proudly serve. We pause to lift up our military personnel, who many times spend months away from home and hearth in service to others. We also lift up all of our state and federal agencies, our political servants that strive to serve with honor and dignity. Dear Father, may your hand of protection be upon each one of them, and may you grant them safety and respect among those who have been called to serve. Ultimately, Lord, we long for the day when we no longer need protection, when we no longer need these forces against the evil in this world. But Lord, until you come, until you come to take us home, to be with you, please keep us faithful. Keep us faithful to our calling to be good citizens, but even more so, may we be found faithful to you our God and King. We ask these mercies, we receive these blessings in the holy and sacred name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.
1: It is my great honor, this Memorial Sabbath, in which we remember 9-11, to introduce Admiral Darrell J. Bigger, Chaplain Corps, United States Navy, Reserve, retired, Admiral, welcome. <clears throat> the helm of our public
6: Barbara and I made a trip this week, and I'm so glad it includes you. We spent several days in Washington, D.C., where I was on 9-11, as a way for me to reconnect with memories of that day 20 years ago. Already during this service this morning, seeing all of you men and women who commit yourselves from day to day to the service of others, seeing the careful and thoughtful way this congregation has uh, prepared to honor you, to remember you, to thank you, has been healing for me too. 9-11 was a huge tragedy for many of us. But it's not the only tragedy in your lives. You have many ways to identify with loss. You have untold ways and reasons to grieve. Even those of you who have no memory at all of 20 years ago this morning... You know what it's like to face challenges in life, to put up with disappointments, to lose dreams of things you had wished would be true. And so today, I trust can be a way for all of us, whatever connections we have to sadness, to loneliness to tragedy to assaults of one kind or another it would be a way for all of us to find a way not just into the past but to find hope for the future as well grieving in the context of hope Sounds in some ways like um, an oxymoron, like those two things shouldn't fit together at all. Those terms may seem to conflict with each other because coping refers to present situations and hoping refers to the future. How can you grieve in the present and hope for the future all at the same time? But I would like to suggest to you that those of us who are people of faith have an avenue to do just exactly that. In spite of the challenges of our lives, to be prisoners of hope. Not because of all the good things that happen to us, but in spite of all the bad things that happen to us, we can still hope for a better future. didn't start for Barbara and me on 9-11. It started the previous October. Some of you with more gray hair or none like some of us will remember that on that October day, a United States Navy ship was attacked in the harbor, in the country of Yemen in the Gulf. It was not a random attack, and even though for some of us that part of the world had become kind of unfamiliar in the last several decades, this raised it to the surface again. A small boat loaded with explosives blew itself up next to this Navy ship at mealtime. And just inside the hole of that ship, you see, they were sitting at tables in the mess decks. 17 sailors did not survive. Barbara, who is here with me this weekend, uh, Barbara and I had lost our daughter who had been murdered uh, not many years before this. And the Admiral in Washington, DC, who was meeting families of these deceased sailors in Dover, Delaware, as they flew them back to the United States. This Admiral knew of our loss and asked if Barbara and I would be willing to fly with him to Dover to meet some of the families who were there to gather caskets coming in from the Gulf. We stood in the line on the tarmac and watched a number of caskets come out of the hold of this big airplane, carried in a stately way to the waiting hearses, and then were carried into the mortuary at Dover Air Force Base. several days after that, on behalf of a grateful nation, I presented a flag to the parents and family of Seaman Craig Wiberly at his burial in Virginia. It was the first of several funerals in which I have participated since 9-11. Every one of them etched in my memory because of who those people were and what their families sacrificed for you and me. Several months later, the following summer, I had been on duty most of the summer I had an office in Washington, D.C., and another in New Orleans. And on September 11, I was preparing to check out and go back to Walla Walla for the fall quarter, which was to begin very shortly. These security pictures are stamped September 12, but they came from the tape the previous morning. We watched... Uh, on television in the chief of Navy chaplain's office the aftermath of the first tower in New York City being hit and then we're watching CNN live as the second airplane hit the second tower and it became immediately clear to all of us as it was to those of you who are watching that this was not a random accident. I went back to my desk And not long after that, heard a screaming sound over our building, the Navy Annex at that time, and a loud thud afterward. I went out to the chaplain's assistant who was working with me and was permanently assigned there, asked if they often had airplanes fly that close to the building. No, he said, uh, I, I, I imagine that was just a loud noise from a dumpster being dropped in the parking lot. Seconds later the fire alarms went off and we knew it was no mistake. Shortly after that hundreds of us streamed down to be at the Pentagon ready to help, running among many of you toward the disaster rather than away from it. I spent the first several hours of the next 36 meeting burn victims under overpasses waiting for helicopter evacuation to hospitals. And in the next several days hundreds and thousands of emergency personnel from literally all over the country came to Washington cycled through shifts of watching over the debris, of beginning to sort through the impact of what had happened. Barbara and I visited uh, this week, the markers remembering two specific people that I knew who died in that attack. How can we, at times of disaster, think about hope? Shortly after the attack, um, the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists interviewed me and asked questions about that. The Navy put together uh, a video describing the work of chaplains during that period of time. And even though this is very old video, and you'll have to listen very carefully to it because the audio is not good. Some comments that were made at that time may be relevant to us as we think about looking at what lessons we can learn from these events. And after this clip comes a a recitation of texts which we've heard from the pastor but are reinforced in this case by Barry Black, who was then the Navy's chief of chaplains, is now the chaplain of the U.S. Senate. Hope. Hope at a time of challenge and loss. Finding a way forward when the present seems destroyed. All kinds of reasons to apply that to our lives in 2021, aren't there? You no doubt have been deeply saddened as have we at the events in Afghanistan in the last several weeks, at the tragedies in other parts of the world where people suffer. At the plight of the homeless, not just in third world countries, but in our own. At the difficulties faced by marginalized and underserved people. All kinds of reasons to grasp for hope. What what lessons can we learn as we try to hope and cope? all at the same time. I want to suggest three, uh, several lessons that we can learn in this context. I'm sure we can make a very long list of those things. I'm going to tax your memory with five at least uh, today and let us highlight ways that we can look forward in the context of the past and try to build a better future. The first lesson I would suggest to you is one I saw illustrated many times uh, in Washington, D.C. on 9-11 that I saw in the several days I spent in New York City a week and a half later and that we see at good times in our world today. And that is help one another, support each other, press together, press together. Uh, Those of us with Adventist heritage recognized this two-word phrase as uh, one used frequently by one of our denominational founders, who is buried here in Battle Creek. As early as the 19th century, she started encouraging groups of believers to press together, to stay with one another. Don't disconnect yourself and try to go out on your own do things together be unified in your mission press together I saw that by the hundreds of people from the Navy annex who as soon as they learned there was need for help at the Pentagon rushed down across the by then closed freeway and spent day after day after day helping those who were working at the Pentagon. We saw people who were not just Christians, not just chaplains, but we saw Muslims and Buddhists. We saw atheists and agnostics. We saw men and women of every race imaginable from every state in the United States. Rally together at that time of need and show a kind of solidarity of the American spirit that was a great encouragement to all of us. Press together. Secondly, give meaning to the pain you experience. Find a way to make it significant a great illustration of that for me comes from the bible story of joseph you remember he was a young favored son of a very prosperous father his older brothers and stepbrothers brothers resented the special treatment joseph got and so they plotted against him finally Uh, sold him into slavery, and even as a slave he suffered more. Misjudged and accused, he was thrown in prison by a resentful woman, languished in prison when he was neglected by people whose freedom he had facilitated. Joseph had all kinds of reasons to be cynical and untrusting and angry and resentful. So years later his brothers during a famine you remember come to Egypt where he by then had become the prime minister came begging for food. Here was a chance for him to carry out his revenge What was his response to these brothers? It was this. God sent me ahead of you. It wasn't you who sent me here. That's what he's saying, huh? This wasn't just because of your anger and jealousy toward me. God had a purpose in my suffering. And what I've been through has been reclaimed by a living God, for your sake, as a gift to those of you who deserve nothing from me. I infuse my misery with meaning, a benefit to those around me. It also illustrates another lesson, and that is uh, the challenge to let go of our anger and resentment. Let me remind you of a a couple more contemporary illustrations of that very good point. A number of years ago, and here again, those of you who uh, are younger would have to look at history books rather than memory, but a number of years ago, we often saw this face. Do you recognize who this is? Nelson Mandela, right? Nelson Mandela was... um, Uh, a, a disadvantaged, colored person in South Africa who had been among those discriminated against for generations. He became an activist wanting to speak out on the part of people who were being unjustly mistreated and as a result he spent 27 years in prison before he was finally freed and became the leader of the country. When he became the leader, what did he do? He established what we know of today as the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and appointed Bishop Desmond Tutu to head that uh, program to bring back the fractured segments of South African society. How could Mandela Try to bring rapprochement back to a divisive country and to uh, a government that was responsible for him spending 27 years in prison. Listen to what he said about that. Courageous people do not fear forgiving for the sake of peace. another more personal illustration of this for me is a Seventh-day Adventist pastor just died this last year James Melanson had been a Navy sailor during World War II he was trained to work on airplanes became an aviation technician but because of the color of his skin He had to do all his work in the United States Navy on shore. He was not allowed to go on the aircraft carrier when the very airplanes he worked on went to sea. When I met him in 2004, we were at a chaplain's conference. At that time, he was the national chaplain for the Civil Air Patrol. We visited during a break and I discovered this little glimpse of his story. How he had wished for all of those years that he wore a sailor's uniform, he could get onto an aircraft carrier. I knew that the USS Nimitz was in town in San Diego at that time. So I slipped out of the meetings, made a number of phone calls, reached the chaplain on deck, the Nimitz, uh, talked to the executive officer. The commanding officer was gone and they invited us to come aboard. Elder Melanchthon was thrilled. The executive officer himself took him, Elder Melanchthon, on a tour of every corner of that ship. And then I discovered several weeks later that when the commanding officer came back and found out about this story, he invited Elder Melanchthon back when the Nimitz was headed out to sea, and he was on board at sea for several days on the Nimitz and was appointed the honorary chaplain of the USS Nimitz. For me, a wonderful illustration of restoring ourselves by letting go of anger and resentment. But that doesn't mean we give up on the cause. The mission does not go away. We need to work toward changing the injustices in our world. We don't give up and walk away. A current illustration of that kind of grit comes from this woman. Do you recognize her? Malala, we call her now. She, when she was a 17-year-old girl, became internationally known. She was a Muslim and had during her early life become an activist for female education in the Muslim world. In 2012, when she was 15 years old, she survived an assassination attempt. And when she was 17 she became the youngest Nobel Prize laureate in history. Numerous awards and prizes came before and after that. She has been the subject of a documentary, a movie. She inspires us to work toward change. Don't stop making a difference in the contemporary world. And uh, final, for this morning, fifth lesson. In spite of all the bad around us, look for the good that is there. I confronted this reality repeatedly, but in one case specifically that I want to share with you. Uh, When I was doing a research project with Vietnam era prisoners of war, I interviewed several of them, one of whom was Bill Reeder, an army helicopter pilot. His helicopter was shot down in Laos and for five months, he was force marched from Laos up to Hanoi in North Vietnam. Many of those in his group along the way died and never reached Hanoi. I was stunned with how he described survival under those very austere circumstances with significant physical injuries and very little chance of survival. In the book he writes about this experience, he describes a scene that he saw in those months of misery and uh, the contrast between his world at the moment and what his eyes saw captured me. Look at this. Despite the gloom of the monsoon season, Moments of magnificence rose along the way when the rain stopped and the sun beamed. I would catch a glimpse of a mountain peak, the quilt work of glistening green hillsides or the sight of spectacular karst formations jutting like craggy fingers from the earth. There were few such moments of magnificence, their splendor, is fixed in my mind forever. The images remain especially vivid because they were wonderfully real in the midst of an otherwise horrible nightmare. Fix your eyes on good things and don't be consumed by the bad. Here is how he describes His general view of optimism uh, about life. Terrible food when he got to Hanoi. They put him in a solitary confinement cell. But they gave him a shower, a bath. And he had rocks and sticks in his bean sprout food. But he was safe. And he knew he didn't have to take another step. And tears of joy ran down his cheeks. Affirm the good things in the middle of your misery. So, how can we cope and hope at the same time? We press together. We stick together. We give meaning to our misery. We let go of anger and resentment so that doesn't poison or overwhelm us. We work toward making a difference in the world and we affirm what is good. That reminds me of a text that is hugely significant to every Christian who stands at the side of a grave. But I think it's just as meaningful to all those other losses and disappointments in life as well. A text we quote from the Apostle Paul. Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like others who have no hope. Catch the significance of that sentence. We grieve. We don't deny reality. There are harsh, harmful, painful moments that we endure. It's part of being human. But we don't grieve As hopeless people like other people we grieve with hope in spite of what we face for why because the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first after that We who are still alive and remain and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen.
2: Coin for this event, and if you go out any of the doors, you should get that. So make sure you don't <clears throat> go out without it. Also, Battle Creek Academy made some special cards for, for the different ones of you. So um, I'll get with you later and we'll we'll get those passed out. Admiral? Thank you. I use it. Let us pray.
6: Lord God, you know these people. Each of us in this room carries hurts and sorrows painful memories we wish your hope to be part of our lives so in the words of the apostle paul we say may the god of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.